0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. And this week is another special episode with co-hosts. And it's not really Two Guys Talking Wine. Instead, this week, it's Three Guys Talking Wine. And I am joined by...
1: I am Mike from the Sparkling Winos. And
2: I'm Jeff, also from the Sparkling Winos.
1: And people can find you at... At At (laughs) SparklingWinos.com.
2: Or on Instagram, Twitter, and... Every other social media outlet at Sparkling Winos. And if you get a chance,
0: make sure you follow these guys on social media because the content they create is great, and it's really how I discovered them in the first place. And don't worry, we're going to talk about social media, and we're going to talk about sparkling wine, but before we get to that, I wanted to talk a little bit about an event that we both attended, the Ice Wine Gala that takes place at the beginning of January.
1: Yeah, it was a great event. I think we really enjoyed it. This was our second time attending, uh, and it. I think it's the The most interesting thing is to see so many different ice wines sort of under one roof,
2: yeah, absolutely. um I mean ice wine's obviously quite a special thing here in Ontario and kind of a part of our identity when it comes to our wine industry and um so it's it's really cool for people that I mean I don't drink a lot of ice wine I mean yeah. i might I might pick up a bottle at around the holidays to share with family and friends, but yeah. it's really cool to have the opportunity to taste kind of everything that's out there. And it's not just ice wine, right? They had sparkling, they had red, they had white.
0: And I know you guys missed out on the show-stopping
2: sparkling wine. I know, I know, know. we were late. Um, Yeah, are you talking about the ravine? I know. I heard it's that was done within the first hour, hour and a half of the event.
0: No, I know. My general criticism of uh, ravine is that the wines can be a little bit expensive, but this sparkling wine is really something to get excited about because it's priced really reasonably, especially compared to some of the other. premium bottles in the province, coming in just under $40. And uh, I know I'm rubbing it in,
1: but it's just really, really good. Thanks for rubbing it in. I know. We, we had absolutely none of it at the event, I know. unfortunate for And I, for I heard
2: it's like aged surly for seven years, Belinda was saying. Was it Belinda that was yeah, telling Belinda you that? Yeah, Belinda Kemp, um, which is crazy. I mean... That's what I love about Ontario Sparkling. And I know we're not here just to talk sparkling, but so many people are, you know, putting out these amazing uh, wines that they've been holding on to for years, age The through, patience like is paying, paying off. off. Yeah, yeah. Definitely.
0: And I mean, it's really interesting to see how people are kind of mucking around with the formula and the time on Lees. Uh, I mean, it's sort of one of the worst kept secrets in Niagara that Stratus is working on their own premium sparkling with 10 years on Lees. I know Creekside has done long time on Lees. And of course, you can't forget about Q and the Rosalie, which I think is six or seven years on Lees, if I'm not
1: mistaken. Yeah, it's seven. Years on the lees now, and get it while you can because it's going to be switched up soon for the uh, the new release.
0: Yeah, the next yeah.
2: vintage is a 2016.
0: But you can still get good traditional method sparkling one that hasn't spent a whole lot of time on lees. Absolutely, Definitely. yeah. Feathers, I mean, the Featherstone Pinot Rose, the the Rose Joy. I don't even think it spends a year on lees.
2: Was that the one that they had at Cuvee at the at Pre Cuvee? But no fielding, it, it was fielding. fielding. That okay, was show that, show was, that, was, that was that was that was fantastic. Yeah,
0: I mean it's interesting when you go to this ice wine gala and you get to walk around the room and taste all of these wines and really have a chance to savor and enjoy the ice wines. I can't help but come back to that question that I explored with uh, Conrad Edgbek a couple weeks ago: Why aren't we drinking more ice wine? I mean, that's a question that I had while I was walking around the room. I know that price point is part of it, and I know ice wine especially is part of the Canadian identity. And I mean, it just seems like. The domestic consumer, the Canadian consumer, has sort of fallen
1: out of love with ice wine. I think it's definitely consumption habits are changing. You probably know that more than anybody. But I think the versatility around ice wine in terms of having it not just as a, as a product on its own makes it um, a fun a fun thing to try. Like, I guess where I'm going with this is I really enjoyed having a bit of ice wine over, over my sparkling at the various stations. Yeah. So, it's not just on its own that you can have it. sparkling the whole time. Right, sorry, I'm going on brand. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with you guys staying on brand. I think
0: uh, people would be disappointed if you weren't here just talking about sparkling. And I mean, that that cocktail that you were talking about, that marriage of uh, sparkling and ice wine, it's just just one of the great ways to really have an opportunity to add another angle to both of those wines. I, I think with ice wine, it's one of the big problems that we have is we don't talk enough about how to pair it with food properly. And I mean, one of my favorite pairings is uh, to do ice wine and fried chicken just to get the uh, the big creamy textures of both the food and the wine and have the salt and the sugar really just bounce off each other it's
1: something something you guys should definitely try well yeah. you get fried chicken and waffles you know what i mean it's covered in maple syrup maple syrup and, syrup and, and yeah. all sorts of other I like stuff sweet and salt. you
0: know i think there's a lot of people even outside the city of toronto who may not even be aware that chicken and waffles is a thing like, fair enough
2: i think a lot of people don't think about maybe non traditional wine pairings in general and i think you know we did that night where we got together and made steak and had Blanc de Blanc.
1: Steak and sparkling.
2: And it was great. So good. Um, One of my
0: favorite things. Yeah.
1: Was it Blanc de Blanc? No, it was a rosé sparkling. I think
2: we We had a few few bottles. A few bottles. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a while.
0: All right. Now, before we get to the next part of the uh, ice wine event that we were both fortunate enough to attend, you've brought a bottle of wine for me to taste. And uh, it's going to be interesting because I've been fairly critical, not necessarily on the podcast, about sparkling wine from... California and I mean I have made no secret about the fact that I love Californian wines I love California Chardonnay I love Californian uh, Cabernet Sauvignon but there's just something about the sparkling that uh, doesn't quite do it for me so what have you brought here
1: we like to stir the pot so you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) you want to go ahead
2: uh sure so this is from Frank family vineyards um in Carneros and it's a Blanc de Blanc uh 100% Chardonnay from what I remember um, and they hand riddle everything, which is kind of cool. I kind of like I see you smirking over there. I don't really like it. You don't? I do. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Awesome. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's so it's it's got the bracing acidity. I haven't sniffed it yet to provide my feedback on the olfactory kind of.
2: Um, I think Spectrum is if I had this in a blind tasting, I wouldn't guess it's California, and, and I guess that's, I mean, we you're talking about you don't like California sparkling wine, so I think maybe that's a good thing. It, it, it tastes like it comes from a much cooler climate. and Definitely. Um, I mean, this wine still does have that kind of really
0: crazy warm climate ripeness where the fruit is pushing towards, like, peaches and, uh, like, apples – Uh, If I were tasting this blind, and I know I have Franciacorta on my on my brain because I was just there, but I would guess that this is more from Franciacorta than from California for sure. I get a lot of Mm. pear, or not pear, peach.
2: Yes. Yeah, a lot of bright, fresh fruit. But I do find that you know there's a nice little hint of like almond or some kind of nuttiness, and
0: I think it was three years. Three years on the leaves. Yeah. So we were. So this is a bottle that we cannot get in Ontario. No. You can absolutely not get this Um, in Ontario. Unless you come to our house and have the other one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have some rosé, too.
2: But... Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's quite small production, they're sparkling. Henry agrees it's great. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, because I noticed on their website, you can't even buy it. It's only at the winery. So. They were actually one of the few wineries that were featured in
1: Decanter uh, on the sparkling side of things from uh, California under yeah. new releases. Them and Iron Horse. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Iron Horse so is awesome. Iron Horse that might have awesome. sold out their inventory. Yeah, maybe.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's stupid. Right. (laughs) Speaking of decanter, wasn't uh,
1: Hinterland? Hinterland was was featured
2: Which wine? Do you remember? Uh, I think it might
1: have been Sacrament Yeah, it was Or Sacrament Monster
0: Monster of a wine And uh, Hinterland just sent out their newsletter recently And they've released some magnums of 2009 Rosé and laissez twelve, But it does look like the Sacrament is most definitely sold out
2: We have one bottle But I want to hold on to that one for a long time Like
0: Jonas was saying
2: that can go...
0: I have no patience. Yeah. <laughs> I took that bottle home, and I think I opened it up the same day. We did yeah. that with our barrel-aged Blanc de Blanc.
1: From from Kiel? From Where's Hinterland.
0: It? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Blanc de Blanc, I mean, it
1: could age, but why would you? I know. Yeah, I know. We sabered it. It, we was, gone. it, it was gone. It was gone in a day. It was gone by the camera. I mean, like, gone in like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so getting
0: back to uh, the ice wine gala, the next day we moseyed over to... Jordan Village,
1: yeah, it was uh, the <laughs> the Winter, Valley. yeah,
2: Twenty Valley Winter Wine Fest. That again was like super uniquely Canadian. I mean, what gets what's more Canadian than you know drinking ice wine out in the snow by fire pits? And they had like great food and an awesome yeah, the food was really really excellent. The the was it like a, a brisket? Brisket burger. Uh, burger from Creekside. Oh my god! Ten out of ten Ugh. overall, though. Great
1: selection of wine, I have to say. Great representation of a, you know what's on offer. It's not. It wasn't just ice wine. Quite a few reds. Quite yeah. a few sparkling. We had the Henry of Pelham. And,
0: you know, I really wish, and it is literally my only complaint about the event, that there was a way to keep the red wines a little bit warmer because I think it was minus 10. To be fair, it was minus 20
1: with wind chill. So
0: minus 20 with the wind chill, what would happen is you get a glass of red wine, and it would essentially cool down to, like, minus temperature really quickly. And, I mean, that temperature is certainly a lot more forgiving to the white wines. But the red wines, it's uh, it's a bit of a challenge.
2: Yeah, it would be nice if there was a bit more, like, of an indoor kind of space to go and enjoy some of the red wines. We didn't even taste any right at that event. But um, the thing that I really liked about it, that was our first time there at the yeah. Winter Wine Fest. And it, it's really cool to see... That Ontario is like a, a year-round kind of wine destination. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, so many places you go in the spring, summer, and in the fall for harvest. But the winter, it's like a dead zone. And uh, even last week, we were in Niagara on the Lake, and they had like the the ice wine kind of village yeah, downtown.
0: From that, were awesome. I didn't even know
1: that that event existed. I didn't either. Yeah, they reached out uh, to us, and it blew our minds because it was such a fun event for that time. Well any time of year but really with that time of time of year yeah and they had all
2: the like amazing ice sculptures and like tons more amazing ice wine and some sparkling and it's just really cool it's just like i said a million times so really like uniquely canadian and it's something special um i think for the region for sure i do
0: think it's something that we take for granted especially as torontonians that so much of um visiting niagara and visiting the wine region seems to revolve around the summer and uh, we don't spend enough time thinking about how great it is to go down to the w- in the winter Uh, i mean we don't have to fight with uh with other tourists or big buses showing up the wineries it really is a great opportunity to kind of spend a little bit more time and see the wineries working at a bit of a slower pace
1: and i mean the price of a bottle is the same in the winter as it is in the summer i think for us too the the interesting in in doing this for just a little bit over a year is the response that we've received from uh, the different wineries you know you go in and you ask your questions and people are super excited to help you to understand what they do and why they do it and what makes them different or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's been the the most surprising and exciting thing for us. And it's interesting because obviously we like sparkling wine, but there's so many other things that Ontario is really good at that mm-hmm. um, I personally wish that restaurants would take it on as, as part of their wine list challenge well put it on the wine list yeah it's really damn good
0: and it's important for customers to have to ask for the wines too because i know that when i've I've spoken to restaurants that is certainly one of the challenges and i know we're still at a point with a lot of fine dining places where they have told me that uh, there's some customers who just when they see ontario on the bottle think that it's not that great and that's just not true i agree and that's kind
2: of been part of our mission is to educate people and you know and We've done so much of it with like my family, for example, who are like pretty traditionally Italian. They're like, I only drink Italian wine, but then, you know, we'll bring stuff to dinner, and they're like, "Wow, this is really good." But it's just, like you said, people aren't willing to take a chance. People aren't willing.
0: Drives me nuts too. Is especially with the number of Italian restaurants in this city that don't carry any Canadian wine, Taroni. Uh, And we have so many Italian families that have settled down in Niagara and are are making wine. There's really no excuse to not carry a a Niagara Pinot Grigio on your list.
1: Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I like the intonation. I got really (laughs) passionate. Well, it's...
0: Well, it's sort of a personal mission of mine that I'd love to see more Ontario wines on wine lists at restaurants in the city. But one thing I really think that we should start looking to take on is nearly every pub in this city, they're charging an extra 50 cents or 75 cents a pint to serve craft beer. It's craft beer everywhere. And you take a look at the wine that they're pouring. Yeah, they only have a red and a white, but it's always something cheap and mass produced. And I mean, I'm not going to pick on anyone, but let's face it, it's usually yellowtail and there's... So many good uh, Ontario options they could choose from. Even if it's stuff from the general list from, say, Trius or Chateau de Charme or Vineland or Peller. I mean, your customers are already paying a little bit more for beer. Why not give it a try with wine? You might be surprised. You might sell some more wine. I totally agree. And more sparkling on your menu, please. I would agree. especially with. <laughs> and that's one great thing about Ontario sparkling especially is it's so affordable. Uh,
1: there's so many options that you could choose that you could
0: definitely pour by the
1: glass. Totally. Yeah. And I think so many people are going down the Charmat route, you know what I mean? Their wines get to market, they're a bit more affordable than a traditional method that you hold on to for a while. So there's so much choice in Ontario for restaurateurs to, to pick up on.
0: Okay, so now that we've gone way off topic about the Ice Wine gallon, how great an event that is, I did bring you here to talk a little bit about your blog. And there is a post in particular that I want to touch on. But before we do that, um, you actually have a post that I'm a really big fan of. And I was reminded of it today because I saw on social media that Peninsula Ridge has announced the launch of their new sparkling wine. And you have a fairly comprehensive sparkling wine map. And uh, if anyone is looking for a bottle of Sparkling Ontario wine, they just need to go to sparklingwinos.com and check out this map. And I'm guessing that with Peninsula Ridge releasing this wine, they're going to be a new addition
2: to the map? It's it's, it's going it's, to be.
1: It's, it's, we try to update it quarterly, so it's, uh, it's kind of...
2: We were talking about it today. Um, we're a bit behind. So, well, okay. no, it, but it's like anytime we see something new, because, you know, sometimes a lot of it is like super small production or like kind of... Uh, some wineries maybe aren't as great with their social media games. So you don't know, you don't hear about things. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, when we hear about something, we, we try to we try to put it up. So there if you so have something you
1: know. that you want us to add, give us a shout and yeah. we will add it. So and also thank you for making it your personal mission to find fault with our map by finding <laughs> <No, laughs> no, missing links. No, it's great no, no, because no, no, you no, remind. No. no, it's great. You remind us to put other stuff on. So yeah. it's actually listen. it's a benefit to us. Listen, listen. I know it's it sounds a little bitchy that I'm trying
0: to find fault in your work, but the I mean the reason why I sort of keep an eye on on that map is because we have a lot of really great guides in the province, and uh, I mean a lot of them are at that at 90, 95% complete level. There's just so many wineries out there, new ones popping up all the time. But there's no one that's really a hundred percent, and when it comes to sparkling wine, that map is is pretty damn close. But I would say that the Wine
1: Country Ontario guide is actually super comprehensive. I love it. Yeah. yeah, I keep it in my it car,
2: and it's tough to, you know, when you publish something annually to keep up because stuff comes out all the time, yeah. right? You can't you can't keep up with it. So, but
1: I think as a sidebar, the the main thing that we were surprised at when we tallied all the wines is there's over 120 sparkling wines being made in Ontario, more which is now. amazing. It's more than that now, but yeah. that was sort of the initial tally and. So so to have that quantum of a number blew or mind. We
2: haven't even tasted probably. I would say maybe half. Yeah, I mean, That's I'm sure. Still
0: a good number. a bottle a week.
2: But this so is not like, not
1: just in the course of the last year; other years as well. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but there's a if lot. Mom's listening.
2: It's I don't have a bottle of sparkling wine every day. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot out there, and I mean, what I think is awesome is to see so many wineries. Um, not only producing sparkling wine but making it their focus, right? Like obviously yes. Hinterland and Q and, and mm-hmm. like- <clears> then <throat> Yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome to see kind of a full portfolio of different different styles and
0: but enough about the map. I mean the one blog post that I really did want to talk to you about was you guys just posted some great photos and a really awesome post talking about the budding industry out in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I mean of course most people are familiar with Benjamin Bridge and Lacadie some of the larger producers out there and uh we've wanted to go out to Nova Scotia for a long time every you know at I4C and at these various other events you'll see representation from them in the sparkling category and we've always been blown away by it yeah. so we we're like this summer let's just go let's just do it let's kind of plan a sparkling tour of Nova Scotia and uh they have 20 wineries and 10 of them uh do sparkling and you I would know, say
1: the vast majority of them also do traditional method, which was exciting. Yeah,
2: and and out of those ten, you know, a lot of them, it's it's their focus, right? It's their bread and butter. Um, Henry's into it, too. I know, Henry yeah. loves it. Uh, so, it's cool. I mean, they're also experimenting with hybrids, which is really interesting. A lot of, like, extended... I would venture as far to say that uh, the Tidal Bay
0: wines might be some of the best wines in the country made with hybrids, and i mean if you're someone who's skeptical about the quality of wines made with hybrid grapes it's definitely a great place to uh, get started vidal has it started its place right. in our industry as well yeah. yeah in the right hands vidal can definitely make really great uh, really great table wine and I, I i just know from my own experience that i find the white hybrid wines to be a little bit
1: uh, more palatable than Most of the red ones.
2: Yes, I I agree for sure. I think,
1: you know, for us going into Nova Scotia, we had expectations of the sparkling wine being great. And, you know, spoiler alert, if you didn't read the post, they are amazing. Yeah. But, you know, I think we had some thoughts around hybrids and what that could mean and how we would sort of experience them. And we were pleasantly surprised with the overall effect of, you know, hybrids and sparkling and even in still wines, like you said. Although for me, some of the title bays venture into like aromatic Sauve so Blanc category. Yeah. And so then but I'm like... But I think eh. they're so good with the yeah. food out there. They're, yeah, they're so
2: easy totally. drinking and fun. Like the perfect kind of just... I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch an episode of The Bachelorette. They were also... Not that I, not that I do that. They were also being <laughs> described
1: as breakfast wine. So, you know, if you're out, you know, when in Rome, yeah. you have wine at breakfast, why not? I think...
0: but uh, no, I, I think I think that's something that uh, that we could definitely explore on a future, a future podcast. Yeah. Wine at breakfast? <laughs> Off the, you were talking about... Egg McMuffins and your love for the breakfast. I love Egg McMuffins. Well, for me, there's really nothing better than a big plate of bacon and a glass of off-dry Riesling. Not that that's something that I do too often, but it has been known to happen from time
2: to time. That sounds like a podcast waiting to happen. (laughs) But, like, back to the guide, the, the Nova Scotia guide, the reason we started doing these guides, I mean, we did one for the county as well, is because there is so much sparkling wine being made in Canada, and you can plan a weekend around. Yeah, it, really. you can totally plan. He's right there. You can totally plan a whole a whole weekend around. You know, tasting different sparkling wine, different styles, different you know grape varietals and stuff. And uh, okay, so what would you say is the
0: biggest surprise uh, that you discovered in Nova Scotia? I would um, say.
1: Can I go first? Yeah. Okay. While you're thinking, I think for me the um, tourism infrastructure around the wine industry. So. If twenty wineries, ten make sparkling, the industry's very organized. They do a good job at um, moving people around. Yeah, they, we had we had a sort of a, a someone take us around, so we had a bit more access to it. But I think if you know if you go as a as an individual, it's pretty easy to find what you need. They
2: have a really cool hop on hop off bus, which is like a double decker, like. Like the Spice Girls bus in the Spice World movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my point of reference. Like a bus you'd see in London, uh, that goes around. Uh, I think I don't know if it's five or eight wineries, but um, you can hop on and hop off, and hop off, and it uh, stops like every hour at each one, which is cool. That's so really cool. for a yeah. really so, small industry, uh, that's you know, my eyes are getting like wide. Yeah, because right. I mean, like you know, you go out to Niagara and you're like, okay, we got to have a DD, or we got to mm-hmm. like hire you know somebody or. Whatever. So it's fun to be able to. And the little town of Wolfville itself is so charming. Like you can it drops you off right there. You can stay. Yeah. There's lots of accommodations and cute little restaurants. So that's kind of like the reason we started these guides was to make like an all encompassing like weekend based around sparkling wine. So we, we talk about that, like ways to get around. We talk about like the different restaurants, places to stay. Um, so it's not just like these are the wineries you have to visit.
0: All right, so just so we don't give away the whole blog post and people make sure they go to sparklingwinos.com to actually read the guide, what was your second favorite winery on the trip?
2: Um, I really loved well I don't did we say what our first was no
0: the first they're gonna have to go to the website to read oh, oh okay, yeah, okay. okay. so, so second. my
2: second favorite would have been Lightfoot and Wolfville I mean we tried their Blanc de Blanc at I4C as well cool. which was amazing
0: and the regular Chardonnay yeah also, oh, amazing.
2: also amazing and their Pinot yeah. Noir like those are by far my favorite still wines uh, that we tasted what blew my mind was that it it's uh, it was a family warm sorry go ahead it's okay no but they they had and, and they make other sparkling too. They make like, uh, I think from hybrids as well. Mm. Like there's a white and a rosé, um, which are, which are so fresh and fruity and delicious with the food. Um, and they have a pizza oven on like a wood burning pizza oven. Spoiler alert. What? We'll wrap it up. Oh, sorry. Anyway, I could go on about Nova Scotia. I really like it.
0: No, that's cool. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to uh, talk to you guys. Um, Before we tackle uh, some social media-related questions, I have another wine that I opened up that uh, I'd like to talk to you guys about. It's an unfiltered Cabernet Franc from a winery in BC called Intersection. Uh, They are specialists in Merlot, but this bottle arrived at my house. Uh, It was... Nice enough that the winemaker sent it to me with a a couple of other goodies I'm sure you'll see on andrewinereview.ca. But it's really interesting tasting this wine because it's managed to hold on to its Cabernet Franc characteristics. It's got a little bit of a savory edge to it, um, even though it's got the more the BC heat on it. Spoiler alert, we also like Cap Franc. This and, pizza. And, and Pinot Noir. Yeah, so just I eat that.
2: the cheese. I'm going to have to get into a piece of this cheese. <laughs> yeah. mm, super tasty.
0: So here's the social media question. Uh, what sort of advice would you give to people creating wine content who are looking to create better wine content on social media?
2: Um, yeah, if you want to answer that question, yeah, I'm let's gonna eat let's... some cheese. I'll,
1: well, I'll put put out some starter points, I guess. You know, everyone has a different voice and a different approach to... Um, the information they convey and I guess the bigger picture thing that I always wanted to that I guess I wanted to get at is that um, it's fun to be at the intersection or where we find ourselves as being at the intersection of um, you know enjoyment and fun and also uh, information so we try to incorporate that a little bit when we can um, notwithstanding the fact that we do like to have fun and we do get to do a lot of fun and entertaining things that are captured through our search. Social- like teaching Jan Arden how to saber a bottle of sparkling wine. That was Yeah, really that fun. was definitely you know, that, she was, that it was first try. Yeah, she had the cleanest saber. I know. I Saberage. It was amazing. But I think staying at the intersection of, of that like fun and entertainment is kind of what has been our sort of modus operandi for for Instagram. But other than that, have a focus.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny. I think there we get asked this question a lot and yeah. like, there's no real like rhyme or reason to it. I would say, I mean, we're just kind of sharing what we're doing and it's like a real, ap- a real accurate representation of like, I guess our lives. Not that we are literally like popping bottles of champagne every day, but, um, I'd
0: agree. I, would, I would agree with that. I mean, the fact that like, you guys hang out in the backyard and a yeah. bottle of food, like I've been to your backyard. Yeah. And that's, it is not, it's, it's not staged. It's really nice. Yeah. So I
2: think, I think people can kind of, get that that's who we are and i think that that's important so i would just say like be who you are you know show some of your personality um have a voice like stick to what you what you you Mm know is is you because if it's inauthentic i think people can tell that too um and create your own content that gives you control of the message that you're conveying i think that's been kind of dying for some of this cheese (laughs) No, yeah, I agree. And I I, I think, yeah, we we really try to straddle the line between like fun and educational, you know, so it it
0: appeals apart from creating authentic content, which is uh, obviously really important. How much thought or research goes into things like finding the correct hashtags to use, uh, especially on a platform like Instagram, where using hashtags is important to make sure that people are able to, uh, to find your posts.
1: It's It's hard to say because Instagram's changing all the time, and you know they're always doing something to make it uh, an interesting user platform for expressing your content. But we do we do take our time to curate the content, and you know, like you said, research into I guess some of the hashtags. But I I guess in recent days, it hasn't been very well. I think it also
2: helps to like see what's going on in the world. Like if it's like. International Pizza Day, like take a shot of you having like pizza and wine, or like you know, internet. They have holidays for freaking everything. Like, so we Where do try you to find
0: out what the holidays
2: are. There's like social media calendars, it's like called, these things exist.
1: It's called uh, hashtag holiday. That's what we oh, gotta look for. Is that the website? That's what I look for. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: but yeah, they have like. I don't know I'm trying to think of another ridiculous thing that we've
1: done well there was the remember international like rosé day and whatever random other stuff that you can kind of come along and And people people feed into it because
2: you know you look and those things are trending right and so everyone's checking you know what's being posted and so if you kind of jump on some of those I feel like that that helps it's a good platform
1: to get your content more visible to a broader audience yeah what about Instagram versus Twitter
2: I feel like Twitter is a better place to share content like to share like information so like you know, if you have, like, quick little fun facts or, like, blog posts or, like, links to, like, p- products you want people to try or stuff like that. There's – it's much easier for people to click through and, like, get there. But Instagram is just totally visual. Like, I feel like Instagram – Well, you can tag on a bit of information, you, but I think there's a limit to what people consume. It's, yeah. Like, people I, look at the – you
1: know, do they actually read and click through? I think it's a different conversation it, than it's uh, yeah, Twitter.
2: I agree. It's It's – I agree.
1: But still, it's a valuable resource. And I think, you know, we've been – uh, you know, trying to encourage people to move from Instagram into her blog and that there's some traction, which is great.
2: Yeah. I I totally agree. And I think that, you know, it helps, like you said, you know, we have a focus on, it's not just Ontario, but we have a strong focus on Ontario. And I think that, you know, we always get, we get people from outside of Ontario that are like, whoa, Canada makes wine. Mm-hmm. Whoa, Canada makes sparkling wine Canada makes good wine and so they're interested to kind of learn more and
0: I think that's really great advice to any content creator in general is to make sure you know and respect your audience
2: yeah and it's a lot of work like it's not like any you know anything we do is just like oh just snap a quick photo and like post it like we do think about it we do put effort in we do try to like
0: this I kind of attest to because uh, the past three events that we've managed to cross paths I have tried really really hard to photobomb you guys and have failed uh, every
1: time miserably. <laughs> every I think time. we might have one but only yeah, half but of you in it was it 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 it. a deliberate photobomb it or I think it was an accidental photobomb I bomb. think it was was it by the Tortiera station yeah, I think so <laughs> that was a good yeah, that was <laughs> okay
0: one last thing about the ice wine gala, uh, the, the food. food. Yeah. I, this yeah. is the f- first wine event that I've ever been to where there was literally more food than you could possibly try in an evening. And I know I said last summer at I4C there was enough food, but if you really wanted to, you still could have gone to that entire row of restaurants in the airplane hangar and tried everything. The ice wine gala, just not possible. Yeah, well,
2: that's the thing. And this is one of the first events I've been to where the food is like on par with how great the wine is. Like, yeah, the food was just outstanding and you know even if you have friends that aren't necessarily super into wine like they could just go for the food
0: well on that note i think it's time to wrap things up and i really wanted to thank you guys for stopping by Go to sparklingwinos.com, follow them on all social media. Uh, And I'm Andre Pru from andrewinerview.ca. It looks like I've still got free reign of the podcast for another few weeks because while Michael is still in Australia, I know he's going to be heading to Italy right after that. We'll see if I can maybe shake someone else out of the co-host tree uh, while I'm running amok here.
2: Thanks for having us. We're Mike and Jeff from (laughs) (laughs) sparklingwinos.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on
0: iTunes, leave a comment, leave a review, tell me what you think, Um, and as always, you can still send your angry emails and angry phone calls to Michael Pincus, even though he is in the Southern Hemisphere. I know he's going to look forward to getting those when he gets back, and uh, Mike and Jeff, this is where Michael usually signs off, so why don't you take us away?
1: Good night. Thank you, Andre. Good night. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.